Welcome to the Business Animal Podcast. Saddle up for a gallop to the top of the animal industry, where you'll learn how to tame your wild business beast with tips, techniques, and tools that will take overwhelm to obedience school and have you wagging your tail with joy. And now your hosts, Kim Beer and Kara Taylor Swift. Hey there, business animals. It's Kim with Be More Business. And Kara with Fast Horse Photography. Hi, Kim. Good morning. (laughs) Good morning, Kara. Kara, we have such a fun topic and two really awesome guests with us today. We're going to be talking about self-publishing your own book. I know for those of you who are listening to this, I know there are authors among you. I hear you. I see you. I know that you're wanting to write the great business book, or maybe you're a photographer who works with animals who want wants to publish a book of your photography, or maybe you're like me and you have the great American novel in you somewhere. And so (laughs) self-publishing is a very common thing these days. It doesn't have the stigma it once had. And we would love to get some information to you from our two guests today on how to self-publish that book that you need to write to build your business or to showcase your art and talent or to just express yourself. Kara, why don't you introduce our exciting guests for today? I'm happy to do that. So we've got two great guests with us today. We have Mark Weber and Martin Pugh from Marathon Press. And Kim and I know of Marathon Press from our work in photography, but they have a whole other side of their business that helps people who have a book in them and want to write something get that published and the whole process of getting that printed. So we're thrilled to have them join us today. So first of all, let me just say welcome, guys. Thank you for being here with us today. Nice to be here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're so happy to have you guys. I'm going to let you guys introduce yourselves. Mark, since you and I chatted first to get this whole thing set up, why don't you go first and tell us a little bit about you? I know you're a photographer. I know that you have a lot going on. I would love to just let you share that with our audience real quick. Oh, absolutely. I've been in the photo industry for over 40 years, and I was a customer of Marathon Press before I ever became part of the team here. So it's one of the coolest places to work. There's so much creativity in the books that you see. My job is I'm a marketing consultant to the industry, and I'm also in charge of the podcasts and the blogs that we do here at Marathon Press. I also help with the technical side of things when photographers have questions on books or whatever, but also from non-photographers that want to get a book started or have a question about exactly what does it take to put together a book, and I help them kind of get connected to Martin, and that kind of leads to Martin. Martin, why don't you let them know what you do. All right. Thanks, Mark. I'm like Mark. I've been both a customer and a vendor and a salesperson for Marathon Press, even before I started working for Marathon Press, which our relationship goes back since about 2008. And my role at Marathon Press is a book production manager and also have a hand in helping do what we call product development for some of our key customers. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much. We're really happy that you decided to sit down with us today. Kim and I, we have these conversations all the time about things that we want to do, projects that we want to start. And we know we're not the only ones. Like We know we're not the only ones out there with these projects. So to be able to chat with you guys and have you fill some of the needs that we have in our business, we definitely want to share that with our audience as well. Kim, I'm going to let you 
you chat a little bit because I know you have a personal project you're working on with Marathon Press right now and also um, let you introduce our big three. Yes. So I am currently working with Marathon Press to publish my tarot deck, which has been a, I'm now at four years of labor of love. It took me three years to actually create all the artwork because there's 78 cards in the deck and I'm getting ready. And as we speak, I'm a little behind the eight ball. I was supposed to get this done like three or four weeks ago, but I am, as we speak, I just registered my ISBN numbers for the deck, got my QR code. I need to finish the back cover part of it for the deck and um, sending the files off through Hightail to Marathon Press to get printed. And I'm super excited about this because it's been such a long journey. And then I have other things that I have written that I would really like to have self-published. I have a adult children's novel, and I know that sounds weird, but it's like a book that both kids and adults can really enjoy with each other about horses. And then I've written this book called The Little Book of Big Sales Moves. I have lots of books in me. So this is like very personal (laughs) to me. Someday I would like to be picked up by a publisher and published traditionally. But there's some of these business projects and some of my personal projects. I don't see a huge market for people that want to buy a tarot deck that is just horses. So that's what mine is. It's Tarot of Equus. I have a feeling that I've maybe got 200 people on the planet that'll want to buy that. So it's something that I don't think a traditional publisher would want to pick up, but it's very near and dear to me. And some of my other things that I use within my educational system within business education are self-published. I also have a lot of friends that are very, very good at self-publishing. They've made a lot of money. It makes a lot of business sense to be self-published, especially if you want to be a speaker, because it elevates your credibility immediately. And it also helps you be able to solidify your program. I think even if you don't publish the book, you should write it because it definitely gives you a solid program. But once you've written it, you might as well publish it. When we sat down to prep for this episode, Martin was kind enough to give us our big three, which I think is a fantastic big three for those of you thinking of writing a book. And hopefully you're excited about this like Kara and I are. I know Kara's working on a book as well. I know that we both are going to be having things coming out and I hope that our audience is as well. On to the good stuff, the big three. First of all, number one in the big three is to know your topic and competition and how much they sell their books for and about them. So you know where you rank in that system. And we're going to have Martin talk a lot about that here in a moment. The second one is to find your printer early so that you know the specifications, how to put your book together, how to format it. And again, Martin and Mark both have a lot of advice for you guys in this area. And then finally, the part of writing that I probably is my least favorite, and that is editing. So edit, 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 because nothing shines brighter than a typo and a printed book. (laughs) It like gets glowing neon around it. (laughs) Then also for some of you to understand a little bit of the technical process behind the design. And if you want to do DIY it, do it yourself, then what you're going to need to put that together. So let's deep dive into those three topics. And whoever of the two of you, I think Martin probably will start us off with knowing your competition and tell us a little bit about why that's important. Maybe some things that we want to look for in that 
process of researching our competition and what we need to take away from that that'll impact how we create our book? I would have to say that I work with many different types of books and sometimes a startup company, we may be working on more than a book project. And just as an example, somebody has a great idea. You usually will find out if you research into it that there's probably some other people that have that same idea, whatever it may be, whatever your topic of your book may be. And so it's good to find out how those books are presented, whether they're just sold over the internet or they're available in a bookstore. And you can go look at some of the categories that you may be writing in to find out that something that you hadn't even seen before, it will help you determine what level, what kind of price point your book should be at, whether it should be a hardcover or a softcover book, perhaps those things will be found out as you do that research. No, I think you summed it up well there, Martin. It's always interesting too, when we find people that are looking for that niche, if you will, sometimes it's not even so much about being unique as much as it is about at least just presented in a little different way. Yeah. And that's what I see a lot. I can see knowing what other information is out there would be helpful in terms of if there's something you agree with or don't agree with, and you can have real conversations around that in your material. So that makes a lot of sense. Well, we are doing a book right now for a local corporation, Nucor, that they're in the midst right now of just starting to flush out exactly what they want to put in the book. And this is the conversation we're having with them is, how do you make it different? How do you make it interesting? How do you make it where all the people are going to be interested in it? Because it's not just for their employees is for the whole community because this corporation has been around for 50 years now and it's important to our community. So that's part of what we're helping with. One of the other subjects that you talked about, Kim, was you talked about children's, the genre of uh, children's books or adult children's books, graphic novels, so to speak. There are a lot of questions that an author will have on how to produce a particular book based on the age group that you want to focus on. And a lot of those questions will flesh itself out in the marketplace on how they're produced. And you'll see that for a certain type of age group, you'll usually go with a particular type of book based on page count and whether it's hardcover or softcover. So what if I'm an author and I go to my local bookstore, I look around on Amazon and I find some books that are in the same vein as to what I want to write. Mine is going to be a little different, but it's still a popular subject or topic. That would not scare me off at all. What advice do you have for authors who want to write in a area where it's it's a pretty well-covered area? Like business is a pretty well-covered area. I think that the topic of where you're talking about a busy professional who's making speeches in front of people, having that book, even if it is a category that may be software or something with the whatever category of business it may be, having that book is their credibility backup that they can offer at the end of the speech or just having that does add that credibility that you talk about. I've bought some business books from some people I know before and they were not very well done, which also led me to question their credibility a little bit. So you do want to be careful about making sure your content is not too thin, not too weak. Do have it edited so that it comes across professionally. Those would be my tips. So what you're saying is, is no matter where you're wanting to 
show up in a specific industry. You want to not just go look at the titles, look at the price tags, but also read over the books, go through them and make an educated decision on how you want to place yourself in that marketplace. Would that be a correct assumption? Sure. Some of the questions you're asking me as a printer, we don't often debate whether or not. So we're not an editorial board that tells you can't publish this book. We're going to publish your book. We're going to print your book (laughs) if you have it sent to us. But a lot of these choices, a little bit beyond what we normally think about. We offer advice if asked. (laughs) Definitely. Nice. Yeah. And I understand that. And, And I think our audience probably gets it. Yeah. If something comes in and we, we just see, you know, wow, you, you know, with a few things, you could really make this a little bit better. We'll, we'll definitely open, you know, open our mouth and let that customer know we, we'd like to help them make it, improve it. If we see something glaring for sure. Well, that's the beauty of self-publishing, right? Is that you get to drive it and you get to make the decisions. So let's go ahead and dive into talk to picking a printer for your book. You know your subject, you have everything conglomerated in your head, you're ready to start writing, or maybe you've even gotten into the writing, and now you're wanting to look for those options to print. And I know one of the first questions that's going to come up for our listeners is, I can't afford this. And what surprised me was when I gave my bid to Marathon, how affordable it was to get my deck printed. I was very concerned that I had priced myself out of the world because I wanted to have a small run. Because again, I question how many people want a tarot deck of horses. But what surprised me was how affordable Marathon could make it for me. And I was pleasantly surprised and giddily happy, as Kara can probably attest to. So talk to us a little bit about understanding how the printing process works, the costs, what we need to think about as authors in this area. In the late 80s, I started working with self-publishers who were primarily photographers and artists who were producing art books and calendars and things of that nature. Typically at that time, self-publisher had to produce about 3000 units to make it cost-effective to self-publish. And thus you had to have a pretty good following in order to become a self-publisher. And now with all the innovations that we've had in the last 40 years up to today, we're with digital printing, we can produce shorter, much shorter runs of books that can be sold as you witness, Kim. Typically, I tell people when people are starting a project, they say, what's the best number to test? And I always say that the best number is 53 (laughs) because it's about the minimum that you would want to sell. And that for myself, if I look at just the circle of friends and family and things like that, that's about the number that you would start with. But of course you can, you could go to higher numbers, but nowadays you can print a, a one-off photo book online through Marathon Press, or you can produce a much smaller number than ever before at an affordable cost. And that makes it great. Yeah. That's part of the reason I've always been so fearful of the process is thinking I was going to have to print 
a huge run in order to make it cost effective. And then they, they were going to be stored in my closet somewhere in my house and it was going to be a nightmare. <laughs> so thank you for, for mentioning that part of it. So one of the things that I know we wanted to talk about in this section is why is it important to find a printer early? I think a lot of us that aren't experienced in this field would think that we need to sit down and get everything laid out. We know what we need to have it all written. We need to be completely done with everything. And then we start looking for a printer, right? One of the things that I've learned is that is not necessarily the case. Can either Mark or Martin, can one of you guys talk about just the importance of not saving the step of finding a printer to the very last step? There have been so many changes since the time of COVID, basically with the supply chain disruptions, that it really is a good idea as you plan your project to talk to and establish a relationship with a printer early. We've had situations as late as April. I had a customer producing a specific book with a specific type of paper. It was very important to this customer. And so we had issues getting the paper and then now that we've printed the book, the paper is now discontinued by the paper company, which puts things in a spot. So it is really good to start early with a printer, especially in these times of turbulence in the industry with the supply chain issues that we are encountering. We have a large supply of particular kinds of paper that we use all the time and different Projects will, photographic projects will use particular kinds of coded papers, more of a business book or a fiction book that's just text only will use a different type of uncoded paper. And so we have particular choices that we would recommend for those genres. And checking with a printer early also helps you get to learn how the files should come in. We can even at times do a test. We do a test page or two for somebody, particularly if it's something in color. And then get involved with me. We can provide preliminary quotes and I can send out samples of similar things so that you can get your hands on something. Those are all good things to do earlier than right at the last minute. And let me add to talking to so many people that have self-published, a lot of times, you know, life gets in the way. You end up, you have unexpected health issues, or you have delays, vacations. Sometimes at the time of the year, there's a holiday in there that delays everybody, the printer and yourself. Uh, the conversations I've had with some of our customers after they've experienced a couple of books, it's almost like double the time that you think is going to take you on your end to do, because not only do we do our part, but then there's also proofing that you have to look at and approve. And sometimes that takes a while, especially if it's a bigger book and you have to go through and you really got to look for those little edits, spelling and all the things that Martin mentioned earlier. So again, allow extra time more than you even think. As someone who is currently paying three times as much for printing because I waited till the last minute and it isn't going to make <laughs> it in time, I feel that to my core right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So you'll save money too and your sanity. Yes, yep. and your stress level and all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's roll into the third of our big three, which is the edit, edit, edit piece, which is what it sounds like Mark was kind of leading us into anyway. Can you talk a little bit about that edit, edit, edit piece and why that's so important. And then also you recommend InDesign software. And can you talk about why folks that are interested in writing their own book, that maybe they learn a little bit about that or work with someone that understands that? Can you speak to that a little bit for us? Sure, I can. As you're doing 
DIY publishing, self-publishing, the biggest parts of your expense are going to be the printing cost and the design cost, aside from your own time and effort that you put into the book. And InDesign is the most widely used, widely accepted software program for page layout that we know of. There used to be a few others going back in time. But this is the most widely used one. And there are particular books, particularly just a black and white text only book that may be able to use a different format, such as Word. You just won't have quite the finesse and the options that you will with InDesign. Those are some of the reasons why I recommend InDesign. You can save it to a PDF, and then that PDF becomes like a universal transport mechanism that can go across from one printer to the next. That's almost any printer will be able to accept the PDF in that form. Excellent. Do you recommend that folks that are trying to write a book go out and learn InDesign software themselves? Or do you recommend that they work with somebody that collaborate with somebody that's already familiar with the program? I think it kind of falls into two categories. There's certain kind of people that love to learn how to do that. I've had a photographer who was in her 70s learn how to do InDesign and designed her own book. And I've had other people who go, you know, I just don't learn that fast. I'd rather work with somebody who's more adept at it. And we both have both in-house and we know a network of freelance people that we can, you know, help put in touch with that, depending on what the parameters are for the project. The nice thing about InDesign, like Martin mentioned, it's the communication piece, the common denominator that allows you to speak the same language to your printer. Even if you have somebody else that does that for you, it's still, I always encourage people, if you know Photoshop, Anyway, it makes it a little easier to transition into that. There's a lot of common denominators there, but there are just, like Martin said too, there are some people that just absolutely don't want to have to deal with it and they just turn it over to someone else. But either way, it's good to at least get a little familiar with it at least. So you guys have guides. We do. We have guides. Mm -hmm. That will help you understand how to set your files up in InDesign, correct? Oh, yes. And I was going to mention one of the other things about which tied into the editing is that the more control you have over your project, if you're just an author and you don't have that control over your InDesign and as you're editing, each time you do that, you've got to reach out to a freelancer. It's just easier if, if you could do all the editing all yourself. The more control over it, the less delays you'll have in your project. And you can work with a freelancer or a, a design person who's more skilled at it. And we work with each style. We work with people who are doing it themselves and people who are using a, an outside designer. Can you talk a little bit to the edit, edit, edit piece and why that's important for someone who's writing a book? That piece of it, I'm imagining it's probably more complicated than you just don't want to print your book and it's got misspellings in it. Is there more to it than that? Or is that <laughs> is that what we're talking about there? <laughs> That's part of it. It's also, mm -hmm. I guess I would recommend that before you're even printing a book, you're taking that manuscript and photocopying it out on your own printer and looking at it in comparison to anything you may be trying to compete with. Sometimes it's as simple as the copyright page may be not laid out professionally. It may be missing some information that you should have on there. Those types of things with editing. There's a book that I would recommend for anybody who's planning on doing their own book. It's called the Chicago Manual of Style. And that 
has the rules of what the professional rules are for book design. And those kinds of things, along with your editing, a professional editor may be able to help you establish the templates for a copyright page, a title page, and all the other things that go along with that. Excellent. And then um, I'm assuming proofreading, is there anything you can speak to around proofreading? Is that something that you recommend having them hire out somebody for that? Or what are your thoughts on that? I think it's always a good idea to have a second set of eyes mm -hmm. on your manuscript. And spell check is not editing. You can find contextual issues if you're only checking it with spell check. We've also had situations where there's a glaring typo that nobody found in a book. And it, it may have been something that passed over everybody, but that's, that's just a really good reason where having a professional editor takes the responsibility off you a little bit. But yeah, some people, they may not want to spend money hiring a professional, but definitely have somebody else, a third, second or, and or third set of eyes. As my role in doing this, I get Often some of my customers ask me if I'll take a look at their books and occasionally, you know, I, if I have time, I can, I can try to help and offer any opinions that I, I find. Martin brings up a good point. Professional editing is a job in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And there are colleges that you can go to in your community and there are English majors who will do that and you oh. can pay them and save a lot of money. And that's an excellent way to make sure that you've got the continuity that you need as well as the spell check. But it's interesting because a lot of people that publish a book are not professional writers. They've got inspiration for it, something that they want to get out there. And they may be good writers, but even good writers and professional writers need a backup person to check because you know how it is. You write in your own voice. You don't always write properly. So <laughs> that's what a good professional editor will help you with. Excellent. So yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a snob about things, I guess, because th nothing to me ruins your credibility on a topic than opening it up and finding a bunch of glaring <laughs> errors. And so, like I said, maybe that makes me a bit of a snob about things, but, <laughs> and, and it's, and, and um, I think when we spoke before, Martin, you had mentioned an example of working with a client and they did a small print run, even in advance, just to have it test it with their audience. I found that really interesting. Could you just mention that again, since when we were speaking before it came out, I would love to hear you kind of talk about that as a great example of an option for folks. This is a great service that we can provide at Marathon Press is that we can do a very small number of what I call advanced reader copies. There are different terms that publishers use for that. They used to call them bound galleys and there's different terms, but the term I use is advanced reader copies. And the concept is that you want to quickly produce a very small numbers, usually around 10 to 30 copies of the book unedited, just print it, put a soft cover on it and you can write on it. This is an advanced copy advanced readers copy. Many book buyers love to see those things. And if you're planning on selling such as through network of independent bookstores, you can send those books out with a letter and give them a call and say, I'd like to pass this along to you and see if you'd like to make a pre-order on this book after it's finalized. And that will also be something that you could send to newspapers for publication. Many of the book review columnists love to receive advanced reader copies. 
And so that's something it's where for a very small step, a very small price, you can get a small amount of the books. You can make your changes later. You can get a lot of feedback going in on what you may need to change. And it's gone great. We did a project for a lady in down in Mississippi near New Orleans, actually. And they did this very thing. She did 10 books to start, sent them out to where she was planning on selling them, got a lot of valuable feedback, and then worked with an editor over a year, came back with an awesome product, which she's now reprinted three times. So I think that's a, a good example wow. of how going step by step with small print runs each time she's been making money on her book as a self-publisher. And you lose some of the, to me, that some of the anxiety around printing 3,000 copies and there being a mistake. Like you can print a small run. It's affordable to do it that way. And you guys allow that. And then you, like you said, you can make some changes to it. You can read it. For some reason, when you print things versus when you're reading them on a screen, you can catch so much more, it seems like. And it takes away some of that fear. A lot of small businesses, we don't have the income to invest a lot of times in a huge print run only to have to trash it later because it doesn't meet our needs anymore or it doesn't fit our ultimate goals or there's a mistake that you can't get past and move forward from. And I think that that is such a cool thing. And that is honestly one of the best reasons why it opens the door to any small business owner who wants to write a book or publish something. Yes. So I love that. I highly recommend that if there's time. It's not for every project, but for particular projects where there's a lot of uncertainty about what's going on, I recommend taking that step as the first step. I love that. And like I said, I think it really opens the doors for a lot of other people that have never had the opportunity to publish something or write something like that before. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, you bring up a good point too, Kara, with there's so many people in life today that have, and there always has been, they've got a life story to share, whether it's something in their ancestry or it's their life in their industry that they've been in. I've seen some really neat books where a company has put together something about the owner of that particular organization that is retiring. Oh. That has been so cool for us on this end to see those kind of things as well, especially in the field I happen to be in and specialize in with photography. Photographers have a really big expanse of photographs from yep. portraits to landscapes to still lifes. I mean, my hard drives are full of a bunch of stuff. And I pity my family the day that I'm not around anymore, I but know. I keep thinking to myself, <laughs> at some point, I need to create something that I feel proud that represents my life and career in photography. So yep. everybody's got a book in them. And it's a matter of, do you want to gift that to your loved ones and your family? Or do you have a company that is celebrating an anniversary like our local one here at Nucor where you can celebrate what that means? And some people use these for charitable fundraisers as well. So that's something that we've seen with uh, Ellen Zangla, for instance. She has done some things with their pet photography and the places that do rescues. And the money that they raise from the sale of those books go toward those organizations. So it's really a great thing to see. Well, and when it becomes more affordable, those options open up to people. They can do it as gifts. They can do it as a fundraiser. Thank you so much for adding that extra piece there. I think that 
probably puts us in a good place to kind of wrap things up. And then I would love for you guys in just a second to tell folks where they can find you. So the the big three that we've covered today is the importance of knowing your topic competition. And something as simple as how much they sell their books for is important. So spending a little time at the beginning stages of writing your book, really researching and knowing what's already out there, and then where you fit in that market. Finding a printer early, which I've always been one that thought you wait till the very end to find a printer. But what we've learned today is that you find a printer early and that can be really amazing for you to kind of guide you through this process. And then that last piece, the edit, edit, edit is just probably one of the biggest takeaways for a lot of us out there. So we really appreciate you guys joining us today. Um, And I definitely recommend anyone who's out there listening to go check out the blog. I pop on there all the time for inspiration. And since I have found it, I have certainly enjoyed it. So you guys are doing great work over there. Yeah. So thank you once again, Mark and Martin. We really appreciate you guys joining us today, hanging with us and sharing information. For folks that are listening, once again, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we hope that you have enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Business Animal. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you learned something today, leave us a review. To learn more, find us at thebusinessanimal.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep your business well-trained with The Business Animal.